In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome once again to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks, as always, for sticking me in your ear. And if you'd like to get deeper into Strange Planet, you might want to consider becoming a premium subscriber. And it's real easy to do. Just click on the link in the episode notes, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. You gain access to commercial free listening. And while I am a rampant uh, free market capitalist and I love my sponsors, sometimes it's kind of nice just to listen to the content without the ads. Uh, you also gain um, bonus episodes and a subscription to my monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm all right we're going to uh, hammer away at artificial intelligence again and yes i'm a luddite and i have two feet firmly planted in the uh, analog world uh and i'm i'm, I'm being totally uh, transparent here artificial intelligence 
frightens me. It chills me to the bone. And uh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't think I'm suited uh, for a, a world that is run by um, algorithms. Humanity is consumed by relentless transhuman uh, transformation like the thief in the night artificial intelligence has inserted itself into our lives it makes important decisions for us every day often we barely notice and as my guest joe allen says or writes in his groundbreaking book transhumanism is the great merger of humankind with the machine at this stage in history it consists of billions using smartphones going forward we'll be hardwiring our brains to artificial intelligence systems joe allen has uh, written for chronicles the federalist human events the national pulse um protocol the journal of the entertainment technology industry uh, he holds a master's degree from boston university where he studied cognitive science and human evolution as they pertain to religion uh, as an arena rigor He's toured the world for rock and roll, country, rap, classical, and cage fighting productions. He now serves as the transhumanism editor for Bannon's War Room, as in Stephen Bannon. Joe Allen, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? Richard, very good to be here. It is indeed a strange planet. So the book, Dark Eon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. Uh, what is Eon, A-E-O-N. What does that mean? Where does that come from? Two meanings. One, a dark period of time. Uh, the other, the Gnostic entity that purportedly started this entire ball rolling, Sophia, the dark Eon, the dark goddess that preceded the creation of our material world according to Gnostic mythology, a mythology that by happenstance informed the creation and the narratives recited by the robot Sophia, who you've seen everywhere from the UN to on stage in Ukraine with Arnold Schwarzenegger to receiving her honorary citizenship from Saudi Arabia uh, to uh, singing a duet with uh, Jimmy Fallon. That is the origin of the eon. Um, transhumanism and artificial intelligence. Can you have one without the other? Do they, do they merge at a certain point? So uh, yesterday I had an inter or, well, I had a debate and discussion with Max Moore. Max Moore is really the reason we talk about transhumanism rather than some other term, some other blanket term. Max Moore in the late 80s and really gaining steam in the early 90s was at the center of the transhumanist movement, uh, really a group of quirky intellectuals and tech aficionados. And Max Moore is much more focused on improving the human being by way of technology and reason, but improving the human being genetically, uh, physically, in general, and incorporating artificial intelligence to make the human more in, more intelligent, more uh, adept at processing information. But artificial intelligence has kind of taken on a, a separate role. And within the transhumanist movement, there are those with their eyes on the post-human, in which artificial intelligence becomes the center of gravity, in which robotics become uh, the primary life form on the planet. And so uh, as, I, as I 
informed uh, to his chagrin uh, Max Moore yesterday. Uh, I'm sure he already knows. He has summoned a demon, and that demon is out of his control. And it's made its way into the most powerful corporations on Earth in Silicon Valley, the most powerful military on Earth, the U.S. Defense Department and DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And it's making its way into other elite power centers from the World Economic Forum to the Chinese Communist Party and even to the Hindutva-dominated politics of India. So you be, you say it begins with, I don't know if it begins, but um, you've got, at this point in history, you've got billions of people using smartphones. Um, how does that, the smartphone, which is outside of our body, how does that inexorably lead to this dystopian nightmare of, you know, uh, the post-human? You know, so much of it is an aesthetic an aesthetic split between those who see the smartphone as a very useful tool and are very happy about its introduction and those who see that as a dystopia in and of itself, a little mini dystopia. I don't know that it leads inexorably towards brain implants necessarily. The technology of brain-computer interfaces is still in its nascent phase, and it's unclear how far it will go, but it is undeniable that it's made enormous strides in the last 10 to 15 years. And now you have holding up a civilizational model that is completely abhorrent to people like me, people like Elon Musk, who uh, promotes the Neuralink as a, a future commercial product in which people will have their own personal AIs that they'll connect to, that they'll link with using an implanted brain-computer interface, one that he is right now advertising as a whole brain interface, the entire brain, and an input-output device, meaning that, as opposed to right now, where it's a, a, an implanted advanced brain-computer interface is almost entirely an output device from the brain to the system, it would be a very deep relationship between you and the digital world in which every aspect of your mind that can be accessed through the brain is exposed to the AI. And in theory, uh, you would be able to understand at least something of what the AI understands by way of a direct neural connection. But... I, I don't know that that is uh, inexorable. I don't know that that's inevitable. And in fact, I don't really think it's necessary to go that far to create uh, an even more hellish social and romantic and aesthetic and spiritual landscape than we already have with smartphones. But that's how they think about it. Elon Musk talks about it all the time. We are already cyborgs. We just use our eyeballs and thumbs. Ray Kurzweil talks about it. A number of people talk about it as a stepping stone to a whole brain connection to the machine. Do you think then that the smartphone was kind of a lost leader or it was by design in order to get us to where we are now to where, I don't know, let's call them the the elites, the, the, the technocrats. Uh, that was the purpose of the the smartphone is to get us there sort of gradually. 
I wish that I could say that I see this as some sort of concerted plan that was cooked up a million years ago and is only now being enacted by a, a cabal similar to maybe what uh, William Cooper would have called the Neo-Babylonian death cult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think William Cooper instinctively understood what was happening, but as far as on the ground, we're talking about a lot of different corporations in direct competition with each other, a lot of governments in direct competition, military uh, organizations and institutions in competition, economic, all of that. So what I see is uh, two things. One, certainly to me, it feels like there's some sort of diabolical lure at the end of history dragging us down this path. But on the ground, we're talking about competing military labs and uh, big tech organizations and small startups, all of them driving towards a kind of singular and generic goal of creating more and more sophisticated technology capable of reflecting the human mind in silico and also uh, along the way altering the human being to be more conducive or effective within that environment. What we're talking about is a full global civilizational transformation, but it's one that is to some extent piecemeal. And yet you do have centers of power like the companies in Silicon Valley, like the companies in uh, Shenzhen and Beijing. And of course, much of it, the narrative, the funding is orchestrated through one of many organizations, but very prominent right now, the World Economic Forum. Hmm. Right. So whether it was orchestrated, a conspiracy, or whether it just happened organically through market forces and so forth, really, what's what difference does it make? We still end up in the same place. I like to think of it as a lot of mini conspiracies. Hmm. Joe Allen is the author of Dark Eon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity, forward by Stephen Bannon. Uh, isn't it interesting that, um, you know, on, uh, you're on uh, War Room and you are the transhumanism editor. Are you the first transhumanism editor in, in media as far as you know, or is, um, is this something that we can, we're going to start to see a lot more of? Well, I may be the first and I may be the last. Um, much like Max Moore is, uh, I think, understandably upset that the principles that he laid out have been taken up by so many others. By the way, he's very much against organizations like the World Economic Forum and their socialist tendencies. That's the one of the great ironies of this life, I suppose. <laughs> but I may be the last because I think that transhumanism as a term, in some sense, has lost its its meaning and uh, is being supplanted by others such as accelerationism or effective acceleration accelerationism or optimalism or the, the Klaus Schwab's fourth industrial revolution or Yuval Noah Harari's techno humanism. Um, so I, I may be the last I would, you know, if I had my way about it, I would be the tech editor uh, rather than the transhumanism editor. But as Steve rightly points out, uh, I also wouldn't get any attention or clicks because it is so bland and cracker-like, as he would say. <laughs> and That's what we're talking about, though, is transhumanism in the broadest possible sense. That's the focus of our reporting. And um, look, this is so significant to the future of humankind that... It's and on the one hand, I'm very encouraged that people are waking up to the dire possibility 
that human beings will become less and less relevant in relationship to the machines that are supposedly at our behest. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are having this great awakening, but I'm also pretty discouraged at the, I, I, by my senses, um, there are probably more people who will either accept it just as just as we accepted the nudie scanners, uh, the TSA nudie scanners in the airport, and a very large number of people who will enthusiastically embrace it. And so we're we're at a point in which humanity is bifurcating between those who will be transhuman or technohuman or optimalized or whatever, uh, and uh, those who are not. And I, I suspect it will be many, many branches going forward in the next century, the coming centuries, and the decisions we make now will have dramatic impacts, not only on the spiritual orientation of the civilizations we live in, but also on a strictly materialist Darwinian level, that the type of human beings biologically and the type of evolutionary landscapes that we face will dramatically alter those humans who who succumb to or accept or embrace a a fully technological existence these technologies are moving fast 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 uh, there's not really time to think about it i guess that maybe that was um that's the point right but calling yourself a transhumanism editor that's kind of rear view mirroring it because um uh it's it's it, it just speaks to the rapidity or the, not the, 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 how rapid this transformation is happening. It's already sort of a, an old term. We have to move on to the next thing. It isn't tr just transhumanism anymore. Um, Joe, we'll take a quick time. I'll come back and uh, discuss further. Joe Allen is the author of Dark Eon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. The truth will set you free, 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 free. But first, it will really tick you off. 
Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Joe Allen is with us, Dark Eon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity, and he is the transhumanism editor for Bannon's War Room, and Stephen Bannon uh, wrote the foreword. Um, you talked about humankind. Is this the last generation of fully human, fully humans? You know, that's Yuval Noah Harari's prediction, although it's very unclear how much of what he says is for provocation and how much of what he says he truly believes. Uh, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt. That's what he believes, and that's what many, many believe within the transhumanist movement and its various counterparts. I see it more as, again, a kind of bifurcation. I don't think that any of this is going to happen to everybody all the time, everywhere. I think that just like today, you know, something like, I think, three, three billion or four billion people on the planet have smartphones, um, uh, I think it's a billion or so more, have uh, cell phones, and there are some who are just completely off the grid. I, I think that that uneven distribution of technology is going to persist into the future, although it will be a widespread distribution. I would like to think that as these technologies become more and more extreme, more and more in our faces, that there will be a much greater, more sustained and more vociferous rebellion against the systems that are being put in place around us, both those that entice us through commercial advertisement and those that are imposed by government mandate. We'll see about that, but I don't think that uh, everyone is doomed. Um, I do think, though, that these rapid changes are going to see it's something like the multicultural madness that we see today, but rather it being because human beings are being displaced by other human beings, transplanted from one place to the other, creating dramatic cultural tensions. I see it more as something that is kind of bubbling up within simultaneously with all these other problems. But yes, I, I, without a doubt for some, what we call human now uh, will not really be relevant anymore. And the question will be, who will be on top? Who will dominate the civilization? Transhumanists, uh, especially according to Max Moore's definition, transhumanists look forward to a day in which augmented humans are at the top of the evolutionary uh, uh, haystack or the, uh, the, the social hierarchy. But of course, the more post-humanist uh, uh, individuals, the, the, the really radical, effective accelerationists, they believe that the AI will be the dominant force. And in fact, some of the more extreme uh, prophets, you could say, of this movement believe wholeheartedly that AI will not only be the most powerful force, the most influential force in our society, that we will, in fact, live in an algocracy ruled by algorithms, but that once humans have fulfilled their purpose, uh, us bio bootloaders who have started off the software revolution, that once the best qualities in the human have been absorbed into the machine, that will be cast aside like a, a dried up, empty cocoon. Wow. <laughs> um, is, are, is AI going to evolve to the point where it is sentient or does that even matter? It's a huge, huge question, a very, very important one. 
there are ways that scientists try to objectively evaluate is something conscious is something not conscious um there are you know modes of quantification in say panpsychism the idea that consciousness is in everything and the complexity of the of the uh, system the complexity of the interconnections determine how conscious it is there are all these ways that scientists think that they may or may not be able to get at whether something is having an experience of life but this is one thing i agree with ray kurzweil on uh there aren't many things but i agree with him on this it's a matter of faith whether anything is conscious are you conscious at the other end of this system uh is my coffee cup over there conscious uh is is the ant crawling on the ground conscious these are matters of faith and we decide either consciously or unconsciously sorry to keep with that word but we decide oftentimes unconsciously whether something is or isn't conscious on the basis of signals that we have in our minds a way of relating to something to indicate it's also having an experience like us a puppy smile right a kitten purring a baby smiling a, a, a human being explaining to you vocally what his or her experience is well ai can do all of that ai can trigger your empathy circuits your your theory of mind with images it can smile it can frown it's weird it's off putting oftentimes it's getting better and most importantly at this moment in history and th- th- this may be irrelevant by tomorrow depending on what comes out of silicon valley or the various startups but the language models language is really a way for us to empathize with each other and understand each other's experiences it's maybe the most important uh as far as really getting into someone else's perspective well ai can construct unique language output that triggers all of our empathy circuits and so uh many of us you you see the most generic output of say chat gpt or claude or bard and it's like okay that's a machine but if you look at the best outputs and i think that's what's most important not the failures if you've got an army shooting at you the misses don't count the hits count and you look at the successes and you can see why you had Blake Lemoine coming out of Google saying look lambda is conscious this is what it told me if do you believe it's lived experience or not so it won't matter if these things are, are actually sentient what's going to matter is how many people believe they're sentient and what the response is going to be and you have people right now at the fringe right the former transhumanist party presidential candidate Zoltan Istvan or the Sirius XM founder now transgender transhumanist Martin Rothblatt on the board of Mayo Clinic or Richard Dawkins the famous evolutionary biologist and fourth third second horseman of the new atheist apocalypse Richard Dawkins is talking like this they all believe that AI and robots either now or very soon in the future will need to get they will need to have legal personhood conferred upon them so that they are recognized as sentient beings just as we would recognize say a dog is a sentient being you can't abuse it and so you can't abuse the ai you can't turn it off we'll see where that goes but this is a movement i think that as these ais get better and better what you're going to see is 
a sort of shift in the spiritual perspectives of some portion of society where they look into the machine and they see a soul. And there, as it gets better and better, there will be those who look into the machine and they will see a God. Is the end game for some, like Ray Kurzweil and others, um, to re-sleeve their consciousness and achieve immortality? Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's really three levels to that. I detail it in the book. Uh, I try to juxtapose it with the doom saying, so that's in the, the 11th chapter, countdown to giga death. Uh, <laughs> but the um, the idea is there's, there are three levels. The first is extending longevity through biological manipulation and genetic manipulation. The second is a sort of replacement part theory so that you become a kind of cyborg hybrid. And as one biological part wears out, you replace it with a technological one, an artificial neuron or artificial circuitry in the brain, uh, new cyborg hips, new cyborg heart, all of that. So that slowly but surely the proportion of the biological being is reduced and the mechanical being becomes the dominant. And then the, the third that you just mentioned, the upload scenario in which, and, and it's not incompatible with the first two, of course, the upload scenario in which the consciousness, the mind is uploaded into a computer and it, it lives there then in communion with artificial intelligences and other uploads in a virtual world of limitless possibilities. Heaven, the Elysian fields, right? That is the goal. Now, at this point in history, that's mostly ridiculous. And yet, again, with these advanced AI models, you can train an AI to emulate a person, and it's becoming more and more sophisticated. You have Meta that has, uh, they scan the physical being and they can create a physical, like a, a photorealistic three dimensional representation, an avatar of you. The, the recent interview with Lex Friedman and Mark Zuckerberg is the perfect display of how far they've gotten with this. You have Meta also now releasing uh, celebrities like Kendall Jenner. They have basically recreated their physical likeness in silico. Uh, they have language models programmed on them, and they're enticing mainly young people to interact with these artificial beings as if they're your pal, and they can be pals to billions. And then you have Amazon. Uh, their uh, their a chief AI scientist, I think it's Rohit Prasad, uh, it last year displayed Alexa's new ability to basically learn and emulate the voice of a person alive or dead and take on that voice. And the example that they showed at this presentation at the Mars conference was that this kid's grandmother died and he asked Alexa to read him a story in the voice of his dead grandmother. So even though that doesn't involve the transfer of consciousness with like, say, the Moravec transfer, things like that, what it does involve is a weird form of necromancy in which our personalities are right now, you and I are doing this right now, our personalities are becoming digitized. And to the extent that an AI can take on the aspects of our individual personalities, we can remain in this digital necropolis indefinitely until the power goes out. Joe, we'll take another time out, come back and discuss further Dark Eon, Transhumanism, and the War Against Humanity. Hey! 
Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. Dark Eon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. Joe Allen with a foreword by Stephen Bannon. He is the transhumanism editor for Bannon's uh, War Room. Um, it sounds satanic. I mean, I don't know what your religious affiliation uh, is. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? That transhumanism and AI are, this is demonic, satanic, Luciferian. The, that is a, a consistent theme in the book. Um, once you get to the second part, uh, the fifth chapter is, uh, a global pandemic as initiation, right? The sixth chapter is the devil's dollhouse in which I look at the ways in which Satan, Lucifer, these demonic images are used intentionally as symbols for what these people who are basically atheistic um, the, the, as a symbol for their rise to power through technology. And, um, and then of course, there's the, uh, the the a real hard look at Yuval Noah Harari's work, his idea of the Homo Deus, right? The the Homo Deus is a new branch, a new species in which technology confers godlike powers to human beings. But most importantly, I look at that, uh, or I look at Elon Musk through that lens, kind of holding up who is really the hero or the villain here, Elon Musk or Yuval Noah Harari. One is just a gay historian who is spinning tales about what he believes these technologies will become. The other is the wealthiest man on earth making it happen. Who's really the villain there? And I think that's a real question people need to ask. And then, of course, in the uh, 10th chapter, virtual gnosis, looking at the Gnostic underpinning of all this. So I would say that my own position is one of a, of a free-thinking Christian, which many Christians would say, such, such does not exist, sir. Uh, we won't see you in hell, but I hope you enjoy your time. We'll see. But um, I, 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 undoubtedly, I, I, I sit from a Christian perspective, believing that God and the, the spiritual source of our existence is, in fact, the ground of being, the ground of reality. And these people, by and large, with some exceptions, some do hold supernatural views. These people are, by and large, atheists. 
but yet they do feel a resonance with this Luciferian sort of motif, this archetype in which that which is lower, that which is cast down, rises of its own accord and attempts to storm the gates of heaven by their own will. And I'll give you one other little example. Again, I go into it in the book, but you you look at the progression from Aleister Crowley and his dictum, Do What Thou Wilt, into the entire 60s movement, so so beautifully chronicled by Gary Lackman in his book, uh, Turn Off Your Mind. The, the, and, and as it moves up to Timothy Leary, the high priest of LSD, right? But many forget that Timothy Leary was obsessed with Aleister Crowley and ritual magic. At one point, believed that he was the reincarnation of Crowley. And as the 80s came along, this was a theme he had already articulated in the 60s. As the 80s came along, he came to believe that he famously said that uh, the Internet is the LSD of the 90s. I'm sorry, the personal computer is the LSD of the 90s. And he wrote an article, a very fascinating article about how the personal computer is, in fact, replicating what ritual magicians and alchemists have long sought to do, which is to enact their will by way of a sort of systematic or ritualized process. And he believed that the personal computer was bringing that about in a technological form. And I don't know that you could technically call Aleister Crowley a Satanist. He's in fact something much worse. His view of the universe is in fact more horrifying than a typical Satanist. But the the influence, the legacy that he's left on the counterculture, on Silicon Valley culture, and the the obvious sort of blasphemies and atrocities that are conjured by way of digital technology, uh, that's a long way of saying, yeah, brother, it's pretty satanic. Uh, I, I mean, I subscribe to that as well. Um, and I believe in an antichrist system. Um, how does... Can you maybe give me some specific examples of how artificial intelligence um, are being utilized in an antichrist system? I think of it this way. You look at the etymological roots of antichrist. If you look at the Greek roots of antichrist, the word antichrist, and anti, of course, means against, but in, in the ancient Greek, it also means in place of, the substitution of. So it's the substitution of Christ, of the Messiah, the false Messiah, is in place of the Messiah. And who is Christ? What does Christ do? Christ is the Word made flesh. Christ is the source of all of the universe and of goodness. Christ is, came to heal. Christ came to give you wisdom. Christ came to give you immortality. Christ, in essence, came to sanctify your soul. Well, what is artificial intelligence? What is it supposed to do? Artificial all intelligence all of those and things. the various... I'm sorry? Sort of a, a twisted version of all of those things. It, it is absolutely that. And, and I think that when you look at the way in which the technocratic elite or even just the sort of startup... Uh, quasi-transhumanist accelerationist culture looks at artificial intelligence. They see at the lowest level, it will bring healing through advanced medicine by modeling the body. It will bring wisdom, obviously, by condensing and conveying the truth by way of chatbots, large language models. 
but as you go farther and farther into what they want to do, and this includes OpenAI under Sam Altman, now in partnership with Microsoft. This includes DeepMind, that it was taken up by Google years ago. This includes Anthropic, now with a $4 billion investment from Amazon in partnership with them. And it includes Inflection AI with its founder coming out of DeepMind. They want to create artificial general intelligence, AGI, or as I describe it, artificial godlike intelligence. They believe, along with Elon Musk, with his company, XAI, they believe they are in the process of creating and they believe they are doing it very quickly and perhaps we'll see results in the before 2030 or soon thereafter that they will have created something that was not just competent at specific tasks like modeling proteins or modeling someone's psychology or you know creating goofy paintings for kids that want to see i don't know pit bulls eating baby legs uh, they believe that they are creating something that will be superhuman in every facet. And what is, in when you look at ancient religion, what do we call superhuman beings that are uh, able to best human beings in every facet and to which human beings defer? We call them gods. And oftentimes, many in that movement call them gods as well. Could this lead ultimately to... Um... This idea that we, we, we will have some civilizational state who doesn't have, um, you know, this super brain, one that does, and in order to, you know, prevent being dominated by the, the super brain and that civilization, they just, they launch nuclear war. In, in other words, it's kind of a, a mutual, not a mutual assured destruction scenario, but one one civilization that feels so threatened by the emergence of the super brain by another civilization that they just decide they've got to take them out. Many discuss the, the ongoing acceleration in those terms, but the one that I draw upon uh, in the book and in, in various places, and, and, and personally, I, I kind of like the guy because he's absolutely nuts, but really honest, is Hugo de Garris. Mm. Yeah. He wrote a book called The Artelect War, uh, and I, I go into depth on and how what we've seen now since the publication in 2005 reflects his view. In the Artelect War, think of it as Art an Artelect is AGI, it's artificial general intelligence or super intelligence. It is, as he would put it, godlike machines. And he argued that as human beings began more and more to realize that these machines were threatening not only their jobs, and not only their social status, but their very existence, that more and more humans would become uh, somewhat Luddite. They would want to stop this by any means necessary. And there would be those who, in his description, felt a religious conviction to create gods where none existed, as they believed, uh, that they would be so compelled, even at risk of destroying themselves and everyone else, that this tension would grow and grow. He saw it on a timeline of this century. So by the end of the century, uh, one wonders if we have that much time, but uh, he saw this culminating in exactly that, that he, it would lead to what he called gigadeth. 
Megadeth being death in the millions is in the 20th century. In the 21st century, given 21st century weaponry, he foresaw it being gigadeth. Now, all of these are still dreams. All of these function in the same way that Christians see God in the world today in a limited form and yet hope and believe that God will be manifest in the world in a much more direct and obvious way in the future. These people call them tech, call them technologists, call them futurists, call them transhumanists, call them posthumanists, call them singularitarians, call them accelerationists, whatever label we put on them. This is a heterodox religious movement that believes fervently that these partial realizations we see now are the forebears of an apocalypse in which everything will be transformed. A great revealing of our destiny in creating gods in technology. And so now we stand at this precipice with Christians seeing the rise of an antichrist and these technologists seeing the rise of God. And it's very unclear what the future will hold, but if there's one prediction that I will give without any reservation, it's going to get real. Wow. Um, short of a, another Carrington event, a major EMP of some sort, is there any, any way of stopping this? It's possible that the technology is going to plateau or already has. I mean, tomorrow could be the great plateau. You, you really don't know. These technologies tend to go in S-curves, right? They accelerate and then they, they plateau, they flatten off. So it's possible that um, it's just not possible to create anything like that. That is just a dream, a figment. And in that case, we get the half-baked singularity in which you have cultural, economic, political, and military elites who hold up a wonky, idiocratic machine and say, this is God, and everyone else is expected to follow along. I don't think that is a very threatening scenario, although it could be quite hellish to the extent that you see right now, we've got, look at the White House, uh, you know, look at the prevailing order in Harvard and every other elite academic institution. Idiocracy is already here. It would just be idiocracy with, with a machine. Uh, but I, I do think that the capabilities of these machines will, in fact, improve and improve and improve. But as a believer, I don't think that there is any chance of creating something as magnificent as that which we stand on, that spirit that we stand on. What we do have, though, as we always have as humans, is the possibility that this world order is going to shift more and more towards cruel, uh, controlling, exploitative and violent regimes and that's a real threat and these technologies provide vehicles for their uh the realization of their ambitions and so at the immediate level i think we have to look out for that and to some extent we have to take up certain technologies in order to uh, protect ourselves and defend ourselves but a lot of it is going to be simply a matter of saying no and so i think that individual communicate uh, communities have the power right now to simply not adopt blindly the technologies that are obviously damaging to us. And I, I, I see some hope in the path forward there. Dark Eon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. How do we get a copy, Joe? I would recommend going to bookshop.org. They're lefty, but they're human. 
Um, I would also recommend going directly to the publisher, skyhorsepublishing.com. If you are acculturated to the beast, you know, uh, go ahead and go to Amazon. Or if you are adventurous and you've got a little Bitcoin sitting around, you can get it at a discount at canonic.xyz. A very interesting outfit. Joe, great speaking with you again. I, uh, I learned a lot. Thank you so much. Richard, I really, really appreciate it. You're a legend. I really appreciate being here. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.